Hello and welcome to the Fearless Man Podcast. This is a show where we talk about everything that God wants us to remember to do as a husband, a father, a friend, a leader, and even a chef in the kitchen. Don't miss it. Share with your friends and I'll see you on the podcast. This is your host, Andy Falco Jimenez. Hello, my friends. This is Andy Falco. Jimenez coming to you live from Yorba Linda, California. Uh, sorry for the delay there. I had a little problem with one of my uh, well, my my usual camera. You're going to see a little bit of a different angle, and um, the video is not as sharp <laughs> as it normally is. But uh, you don't really need to see me anyway. Uh, those of you who are listening on the podcast could care less. Uh, just letting those people know that uh, that are watching live on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Um, Facebook, uh, Rumble, wherever you're watching from. Thank you for joining me. And oh, LinkedIn too. Forgot I'm on LinkedIn. So if you, if there are other platforms that you prefer to watch video on, and you don't want to be um, giving any time to the tyrants on on Facebook or YouTube, uh, you can go to LinkedIn if you like. There, I don't know they're that much better. Uh, Twitter, you can go on Twitter and uh, look me up there and find us on. The Twitsters. All right. Uh, this is called the Fearless Man Podcast, but women can listen to It's okay. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. I'll allow you to do that. And um, you uh, may want to um, send um, a link to um, uh, your favorite man, whether it's a husband, uh, father, perhaps, a uh, uncle, brother, uh, you name it. Any of those things that we're not allowed to call men anymore, you can send it to them. <laughs> It'll be great. And this is what this is, uh, what I actually I'm going to be talking about today is it has to do with um, uh, never let up the fight. So I'm um, proposing to men to never let up the fight, or at least, you know what? The other thing is you need to get in the fight. Uh, I know a lot of men who are not in the fight. They 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 may go to work every day and bring home the bacon and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, they they come home and that's it. They don't ask the kids what's going on at school. Uh, they don't find out when the next school board meeting is so that they can go and attend and see what's going on in their school board. They um, don't, um, you know, go with their kids to find out what it is they're doing and where they're doing it. I know it seems strange in today's world that you need to go out and find out what your kids are doing. But I'm telling you, uh, there's a lot of shenanigans going on there. You're not paying attention when it's on their phones. You're not deleting things like TikTok and some of these other. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong camera. I got to look at that camera. Sorry. Uh, I have a camera here, the one I was trying. And so sorry about that, my friends. Um, if you're watching, make sure and um, uh, comment and let me know that you're watching. Let me know where you're watching from. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm a little fired up, if you can tell. I'm fired up. I went to a men's breakfast at Kindred Community Church in Anaheim, California. Uh, the pastor spoke. Oh, man, I should have brought up. I should remember his name. Philip de Corsi. Philip de Corsi was the pastor. He's uh, from Northern Ireland, has a fantastic accent and has a, 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 a just a, an, an awesome way of presenting uh, his message and uh, just um, reaching out to men. He's got a, a heart for men, I believe. And the breakfast this morning and the message today was, was outstanding. Uh, talking a lot about Timothy and uh, the importance of, uh, of what Paul had to say into Timothy and about uh, how important it is to have men in your life, other godly men, to surround yourself with godly men is, a, is an important thing. And so it was great. We're, we're all fired up uh, when we left there. Uh, uh, I don't know how many men were there, maybe 100, 200 men. If anybody's watching that was there, um, if you know how many men were there, that would be awesome. 
a couple quotes that I came away from uh, that uh, that are important or quotes or things that he said is that everything about us starts with a thought. So important to remember that um, our thoughts control everything about us. The, 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 you know, we, we think every, every time we go somewhere where we go somewhere that is a place that we should not be began in a thought. Uh, everywhere that we go, like the men's breakfast this morning, uh, began with a thought. Even though my my uh, uh, a friend of mine named uh, Jim, he's the one who sent me the text last night. It began with a thought. He thought, you know what? I think the men in my life would like this, um, uh, like to know about this breakfast. Uh, and he felt that you know the pastor there is a, a strong uh, Christian man who speaks into men and 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 really is important for today's world. And so in he it began with a thought where he sent it to me. I, I read it and to take action and to go began with a thought. So really important. Uh, I think that was the thing that was said today is that remembering that everything that we do starts with a thought. And so if our thought is in line with God, go forward with that thought. If it's not in line with that God, don't go forward with that thought. Pretty simple. <laughs> Pretty simple uh, thing to remember. Um uh, your mind should be based on the sound judgment of God, not on the mis in, mismanaged judgment of our flesh. <laughs> um, and then let's see, there is another one here. Hold on. There are some other good ones. Uh, let's see. Uh, God loves uh, what God's love. So God's love in us, God's love for us casts out all fear, which is going to be important as they go forward. Uh, with today's message that I have for you. And then one last one here. Um, if Christians realized they were inhabited, in other words, uh, inhabited by the Holy Spirit, inhabited by Jesus Christ, uh, if Christians realized they were inhabited, they would be less, less inhibited. If they realized they were inhabited, they would be less inhibited. Those are Christian men. Um, your fear, you fear man because you don't fear God. You fear man because you don't fear God. Those are those are some really important quotes that came out of that men's breakfast this morning. So I thought I would bring those to you and just let you know about what was going on there. Uh, so that's uh, Kindred Community Church in Anaheim. If you live locally, uh, you might want to spend some time going to that church. I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, what really brings me to today's message, and again, I'm going to go right back to this book here, and I'm going to put it up here on the screen beside me here. It's called Take It Back. Take It Back is a great book by Dr. Tim Clinton and Max Davis. So I'll be reading a lot from that book. Um, but I think this message is really important uh, to, to remember as we are, as, as Christian men, as Christian women that may be watching this, um, that we really get involved in the education of our kids and other people's kids. Now, I understand that the solution around what's happening in public schools is to pull your kids out and to homeschool your kids. And you can do that. And that is fantastic. But that doesn't change the fact that we still need to be involved in the public school system because we may be fixing our kids, but our kids will be working uh, in a world and um, being educated in a world and living in a world, if I didn't say that already, um, with people whose parents did not take them out of the public school system and did not homeschool them in uh, uh, not only in, um, you know, proper education of education of learning how to read, write, count and think, but uh, a biblical uh, um, uh, from a biblical aspect and teaching them morals and, uh, the you know, what God wants from us as as 
uh, young ladies and men as they grow up uh, and, and moving forward. And so I think it's great that you can take you, if you can, you can take your kids out of um, the public school system and do all these things, but that's just very, that's very few people that can do that. Uh, like us, we have six kids, uh, five of them are in school, two in elementary school, one in junior high and two in high school that, uh, and, and both Hedy and I, my wife, Hedia and I work, uh, we have, um, commitments that we have and he has, she has commitments with her mom who still lives in Beverly Hills. We live in orange County. Um, we have, we teach a high school class in uh, Liberty ed in, at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. And so we have these other commitments uh, and every kid is in a separate age group. And we uh, we we admit we are not elementary school teachers. We're not middle school teachers. We're not uh, high school teachers. And it would be uh, very difficult for us to go the homeschooling route with the number of kids we have and all the other things that we have going on in our life. And so that's just not something that's an option. So what we've chose to do is we, we chose to fight. And, <laughs> and I am in the, in the school boards. I've been active in getting uh, uh, people elected. And we've been very fortunate that now on the board we have, again, essentially we have four conservative Christians, but really we only have three. There's one that we, she said she was, and we, and she just turns out not to be uh, exactly, but she did vote to um, uh, in the right way when it came to uh, voting out CRT in the Placentia Urbana Unified School District, which that's a positive. So I can't completely, I can't say she's completely gone to uh, the dark side, but um, she's not exactly what we voted in. So the good news is there's five seats on the board at Placentia Urbana School Board and three of them and recently we just got one more elected. So we have three conservative Christians on the board. We have one wobbler and one um, crazy liberal. And so the good news is we outvote the crazy liberal and even outvote the uh, the rhino. All right. So what's important and what I want to bring to your attention first is this is an article from Pam Ragland. Pam Ragland, he, she is an advocate for special needs kids. And she writes a, a blog, an article for Substack, uh, her Substack page. And... Um, she wrote this article. I, it, there's no date. It was published 17 hours ago. So uh, I guess it was earlier uh, yesterday, uh, I think. And uh, as I skip down to a portion here, she says, this week I was sitting in an, EI, an IEP meeting for a special needs student. The school was discussing counseling goals. Now, remember, this is a special needs student. Uh, now, this student, um, this is a student the school persuaded the wrong gender is the problem and changing genders would solve all her problems. They, they, they told this young child. Wow. Because you know, all depression must be due to being the wrong gender. At least she decided not to take the available hormone blockers. What's the schools are pushing here in California? This is a school in California. This is a resident of California. It's very concerning. This is the first place schools are going, at least in California, but this is part of the CDC agenda. She goes on to say, so this student changed her mind and wants to change her name back to a female name. The school won't do it until they have a secret transition meeting, of course, without the parents. It's totally weird to be sitting in a meeting referring to a she as they because the student wants her name changed back to the female. The student wants her name changed back to the female name and the school won't let her do it. And thus, for three months, the school hasn't bothered to hold this special secret meeting so she can change her back, her name back in the records, right? She could change it back and telling it people, but they won't change it back in the records so that when they call attendance or they refer to her, the, the teachers in the school refer to her as this boy name, this fiction, this fiction boy name. 
um, but um, won't allow her to change it back. And for three months, they've been stalling. I reminded the school what they did was never legal, was a never, it was a legal, was never a legal name change, sorry, to begin with. So uh, this needs to get immediately fixed. Her name is now wrong on official education documents. What's the holdup? And they did not answer. Uh, she goes on in the article and uh, points out some important things about the HIPAA. And um, none of these things are based on HIPAA, even though the school tried to say that it was, uh, and not on FERPA, which is another standard, a medical stamp standard. Uh, but I want to get down to this part right here that she writes and says, California is pushing this agenda from our state superintendent Thurmond on down with community schools. Sure, that sounds good, but it, is it? California admits adopting the whole child model with the LGBTQ plus focus. Of course, another bribe using our money, the CDC is now giving grants to the local healthcare agencies who are giving grants to the county superintendents, bypassing the county school boards completely for wellness centers. Their first focus, counseling. What is counseling doing? Pushing an agenda. Now, um, she goes on to say, California also has a new law. If you disagree with your child transitioning, CPS can take them away. So the school can take over your child, convince them all their problems are being the wrong gender. You won't be told about it. And if you do find out and object, CPS, Child Protective Services, can take your kids. They're going to do what they want to do to our kids no matter what. This is happening now in California. And then um, homeschooling private, not via public charter. So even if you're doing homeschooling, make sure you don't put them in the public charter schools. And um, and she's going to continue to fight. And so this is an article. Again, the article is called Education, the School Takeover. Beware, schools actively working to exclude parents. And it's by Pam Ragland, R-A-G-L-A-N-D. L-A-N-D, sorry, R-A-G-L-A-N-D. Um, and so that's happening. So I'm going to get to the, the message I have here. Uh, first, from the Bible, I want to I want to read this portion. This is from First Timothy four. First uh, Timothy four one says the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons, just as we read right now. Um, such teachings come through hypocritical liars, whose con consciences have been seared as with a hot iron, no doubt, as what we see what's happening here. All right, so let me read a little bit from this book here. And um, this book I've been reading through uh, on the podcast, chap from one chapter to another. If this is your first time listening, I will not necessarily read for the, you know, the life of this podcast from this book, but the book is so good. And it refers to so many things that are happening now. I believe the book was written in 2021. Look at, let me see if I can look at the, uh, um, where is it? Yeah, uh, copyright was 2021. So it's very current. It's, it's, it's talking about things that are happening now. It took things that were happening during the pandemic and, um, and is applying them to what's important for us to know as we move forward is Christian men. This is a book for Christian men. This podcast, although it is for Christian men, women uh, watch all the time and it's perfectly fine if you watch. I, I, of course, I don't mind at all. 
So um, I'm going to read uh, portions of this chapter, which is entitled Never Let Up the Fight. Uh, the the uh, quote at the top of the chapter is Martin Luther King Jr. that says, if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. If a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Now, this is a strong statement about you need to you to live in this world. You need to take up, um, you know, things to protect your family, those fights to protect your family, to protect what's happening in our world, uh, to fight for God and the gospel. Um, and you got to be willing to die for it. Um, I, 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 I'm telling you that I, I know men uh, that have children, fathers who do very little to fight for their, <laughs> their families. Um, they, they going to a school board meeting. You might as well, you, you, you know, you might as well ask them to, um, you know, I don't know, build a bridge by themselves with their bare hands. It, to them, it seems like so much work. Like, wow, I, I've been working all day. Why would I go to a school board meeting? It says, yeah, Martin Luther says, if a man does not has not discovered something, if it's not your kids or your wife, then who? Mrs., uh, uh, if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. So let's go on with what um, Dr. Clinton and Max Davis have to say here in this chapter. It says, do not be afraid of them, is a quote, shouted Nehemiah to the throng gathered in Jerusalem, central plaza, his voice fueled by faith, passion, and righteous conviction. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And what, they, what they're referring to here is a passage in the Bible uh, where uh, in, the, in Nehemiah, uh, the, the book of Nehemiah, where they uh, needed to repair the wall in the gates surrounding Jerusalem. They have been, they're crumbling. Uh, the gates are torn down. Um, the Ammonites are uh, constantly attacking and causing problems. The enemies are con co constantly coming into the city and the wall is, is, is not stopping them. It's kind of like our Southern border. It's just, it just has holes in it, and they're coming over whenever they want to, regardless of what laws or what um, you know, what kind of um, uh, nonsense they're bringing across. I was going to say narcotics, but the Southern War here, you know, fentanyl is the thing. Um, whether uh, what they're bringing over there is um, destruction and 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 fighting and and crime across this border, and it's really time to build this wall. And so when Nehemiah, Nehemiah made this uh, inspiring speech, he had already spurred a grassroots uprising. He announced uh, what God had put in his heart to do and encouraged the people that it was not just his idea, but God's. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. The people had responded enthusiastically to Nehemiah's call to action. But at the time of this speech, although work had begun and progress was being made, the wall was only half finished and their enemies wouldn't let up. So I'm going to go to the actual scripture here and read uh, where it talks here about what was happening at the time. Uh, and so it's Nehemiah 4, 13 through 18, I believe I'm reading here. And it says, so I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall and assigned people by families with their swords, lances, and bows. After looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, officials, and everyone else. Don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master, God, great and awesome, and then fight 
for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Our enemies learned that we knew all about their plan and that God had fr frustrated it. And we went back to the wall and went to work. From then on, half of my young men worked while the other half stood guard with lances, shields, and bows, and male armor. Military officers served as backup for everyone in Judah who was at work rebuilding the wall. The common laborers held a tool in one hand and a spear in the other. Each of the builders had a sword strapped to his side as he worked. I kept the trumpeter at my side to sound the alert. So th this is such an important part of the Bible. So much, such a great message comes out of this is when we're looking what's happening in the world, when we look at what um, uh, Pam writes here in this article about what's happening in our schools, that we our enemy is, is pretty um, significant. We're talking about the state of California here in California. We're talking about the federal government. Um, and there are a number of people, um, demonic possessed people who truly believe that parents should have no say over their children, over the struggles that kids, whether they're in elementary school, junior high, high school, or even special education kids, as, a, as in this article, where the parents who know them best somehow have to hand over the decisions being made about their health and their um, psychological health, physical health, um, should be handed over to people who barely know these kids, teachers and counselors and people that may be meeting them for the very first time. And somehow they've taken this distorted um, um, idea that it must be because, at least in the case of the story and what we're seeing here in California, is that every problem, every depression, anxiety that a child has that's in the public school system is related to being the wrong gender. Very, very strange. Very strange. And then if you don't go along with it, number one, you're a racist or you're a homophobe or whatever it is that they want to call you on that particular day. But not only that, that it's too dangerous if you don't think that you should be calling your daughter, um, uh, you know, um, Alicia, uh, um, Alicia any longer, that you should be na naming them Fred, that because you don't want to call them Fred, that they need to be taken away from you. It, this is this is such craziness. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable in a secular world, much less a world that where um, uh, a community of Christians of uh, uh, you know can surely you can surely see why Christians would find this wrong, but anybody should find this wrong. An atheist should find this wrong. I had a, a discussion today with an atheist friend of mine on the phone, and we we're going, "This, what's going on?" <laughs> This is not a necessarily a godless thing, although it is. People that that don't believe in God think this is wrong. People of other faiths obviously think this is wrong. You know, ask a Muslim, you know, to call to call their daughter uh, Fred, um, or you know, uh, change their uh, you know start calling their daughter he, um, or what have you, or, or start claiming that you know their boy can now get pregnant. Try try taking that to the to Islam. Try taking that to uh, a, a Mormon uh, temple 
And, um, and again, I, 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 my friend who's an atheist, he goes, this is, this is nonsense. My daughters are girls and they're going to be girls. And I'm going to call them by the girl name. If, if they go to school and somebody tries to change their name and tell me that because I don't want to call them by a male name, they're going to take them. There's going to be a fight on your hand. And that's what this means. Never let up the fight. And th we're talking, this is, uh, you know, thousands of years ago that this was written and it is such craziness put your minds on the master great and awesome and then fight for your brothers your sons your daughters and your wives and your homes this truly is an attempt at destroying homes they don't care about the kids they care about destroying our homes. They did. They care about destroying our faith in God. And this is an attack on, on faith. If you're, if you are a religious person, um, if you are a Christian, a Catholic, a, a you know, a Muslim, if you are a Mormon, this is an attack on that because they don't like that. You have a God that's greater than them. Gavin Newsom doesn't want you to, to, to bow down to your God. He wants you to bow down to him. Um, the Democrats don't want you to bow down to a God. They want you to bow, bow down to them. Super um, uh, uh, important that you understand what it is that they're trying to do. This is an attack on, on families. This is an attack on our God. And for atheists, it's attack simply on the family structure. So uh, as I go on here, let me find my glasses. I'm going to continue on about some uh, other issues that are really important that you need to remember. And that is women and children were in the crowd that day as Nehemiah stirred the people with a speech. Most everyone had pitched in to help work in some way, but mainly he was addressing the men. Without men, the wall wouldn't get rebuilt. The fate of the city was in their hands. The ones that would do battle were the men. Nehemiah had military guards who had accompanied him on the thousand mile journey from Persia. But most of the Israelite guys doing the labor weren't warriors. At least they didn't start out as such. They were regular Joes, husbands, dads, single guys, farmers, blacksmiths, bakers, priests, you name it. But they were not just any old group of guys. They were God's chosen men who became mighty warriors fighting a war while rebuilding a wall. From that day on, Nehemiah wrote, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. Those who carried material did their work with one hand um, and held a weapon in the other hand, and each of the, the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. The important part to remember in this particular pa this, uh, uh, paragraph here is that these are husbands, dads, single guys, farmers, blacksmiths, bakers, priests, um, uh, and uh, you name it. And... And as I began to go to the school board meetings and sit there inside the room, trying to figure out how I got there, I, I had never believed uh, as I had kids that I needed to go to a school board meeting. I never thought to look, hey, what's the school district doing? There's always this assumption. We often make these assumptions, uh, not as just men, but I, I believe women too, that that when you when when somebody takes a position of a district superintendent or a school board member, your belief is that they are there because they want to do the right thing for their clients or their customers or the people that they're supposed to serve. And you, you, we used to have this idea that because of the position they're in, because they, they, they made the extra effort to be there, they must be somebody that we can trust. No, 
we've we've learned that that is not the case. So as I sat there in the school board room in a meeting thinking about, God, I, I have no idea. Some of the things that they say, I have, I, I, in the beginning, I didn't know what CRT was, a DEI. I didn't know some of the acronyms they use in regard to education. Um, what's one of them here that I, I referred to earlier? Um, uh, IDEA. IDEA is Individual with the Disabilities Education Act. So they'll bring up things about the IDEA and stuff like that. And I was, and I was sitting there going, well, what am I doing here? I don't know any of these acronyms. I don't know any of these people. Uh, and But as I listened, I realized that God had called me to be there, even though these guys weren't warriors. Even these guys, some of these guys weren't even wall builders. But you had priests, you had um, farmers, you had um, all types of people that had regular that were regular Joes that suddenly became wall builders and warriors. So they were neither wall builders nor warriors, but to get this wall built to protect their their wives and their sons and their daughters, they had to leave their work and become wall builders and warriors. And that is what God has called them to do. And this is what's so important when we're looking at what's happening in our world, that part of it is our fault. I know, and I think part of it is my fault. The reason we are here today where somebody, a some individual who uh, went to Berkeley or went to Cal State Fullerton or Chapman University, who has decided that men can get pregnant that if you say that there's only men and women, that you are now a, um, a, a homophobe or whatever it is they, they call you nowadays because of that, it changes all the time. That that same person who's not educated but goes to these colleges is now in charge of my child's health. It's really crazy that they know my child better, that they can now decide whether I keep my child or not. This is somebody who may be 23, 24 years of age, who has no world experience. Many of these kids that come and get into these teacher's positions or counselor positions or even, um, you know, librarian and um, uh, into position of, um, uh, of, a, of a, a teacher's assistance, for instance, or, or whatever it is, what all these different roles that are found inside of a school, that they, they went to high school and they got indoctrinated. They then went to a university, got further indoctrinated, and now they find themselves in a school in charge of a bunch of kids, never really being out in the world, most of them, a large number of them, many of them probably still living at home with their mom and dad. Now, those are the ones that are making decisions about taking our children away from us because my daughter suddenly had been talked into changing her name to Fred. And that because I don't think it's right and I want to change it back, now they're going to take my child from me, as it says here in this article about what the laws are now in the state of California. If I don't affirm my daughter's um, you know, desired gender, which is uh, ridiculous, and the name, this person can now decide that they they take my child. And so this is this, is, this happened because we weren't involved, because we thought we were farmers. We thought we were CPAs. We thought we were police officers. We thought we were um, um, garbage collectors. We thought we were plumbers. We thought we were all these other things. No, God has called us to be wall builders and warriors <laughs> this whole time. And what were we doing when all this was happening? We were 
being a farmer, we were being a police officer, me being a police officer. I was being a police officer. That's all. I, I'd go to work, be a police officer. I'd come home and go, how was your day at school? Great. Fantastic. Um, how, how was your teacher? Oh, they're okay. And now that's as far as it got. More often than not, I would ask my kids, how was your day? Good. Okay, good. And then we would drive home. Um, you want to go to sports? You want to go to get an ice cream? You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And behind the scenes, because I'm busy being a police officer, not a wall builder and a warrior, I'm missing out understanding that, well, there's some shenanigans going on. And I did not realize as a wall builder and warrior, I needed to go to the school board meetings. I needed to ask further questions. I, I would spend time asking questions of criminals all day long, but I would say, I would ask my children, no questions. I would investigate a child molester. I would investigate a domestic violence, a robbery suspect, a burglary suspect, ask them questions to get to the bottom of what's going on with, with their crime to get them to admit to what it is what they were done in some cases. But my kids, I would ask them a question and they would say, good. I would say, oh, that's good. And that was it. Never going further, never going deeper. And again, never really contacting the teachers. If I, I'd go to the, you know, the uh, back to school day where they would hide their LGBTQ flags. They would hide, um, you know, their um, whatever other paraphernalia that they would put out there for the kids to look at. Uh, once we were gone, they pulled back out from under their desk or hang it back on the wall when we would leave. So everything looked fine when we were there for back to school day. But then uh, I also would not go to school board meetings. I would not find out who the school board members are. I didn't look into who the superintendent is, but that has all changed. I've become a wall builder and a warrior at the school board meetings, just as you should, whether you're a man or a woman watching this, a father, uh, a mother, if you are an aunt or an uncle, a grandfather, grandmother, it doesn't matter. You need to go. If you live in a community where there's a public school, you should be at the school board meetings because this doesn't just affect parents. This does not affect just the ch children that are going to the school. This affects a community. At this point right now, they're so busy indoctrinating children that they can't add, that they can't read, that they can't write, that they can't think. And when you can see it, have you, you, you've had to have gone to a store where you give a child who's behind the cash register there some money and they struggle at counting it back. You, I know that you've experienced this and you give them some cash. It's like, uh, I don't know, 15, uh, you know, 75, $15, 75 cents. And you give them a 20 and they go, um, and they have to ring it up and they have to look to see what they're supposed to get. They can't, they can't count back. They can't get the change and go 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. They can't do that. <laughs> it, it, I mean, that's just a simple uh, th a, an example that I could give you that w this affects all of us. And we should all be concerned about what's going on, that, that there's nothing good going on in public schools right now. But at least here in the, in the Placentia Oberlin Unified School District, we have made some huge changes here and are beginning to make some uh, headway in what it is that we're trying to accomplish in our schools. And again, I know, I know homeschooling is an option. I know all that kind of stuff. We don't have that option in this household. And so my job is to be a wall builder and a warrior and to make sure that I'm there uh, to make some changes and some differences. And it is a hell of a fight. We are not, we're fighting Goliath. We're fighting Sacramento and Washington, D.C. I know that, but we are actually making some headway. Strangely enough, we are the David that's fighting um, this, this huge group. Um, so let me continue. I want to see what the comment is here first. Hey, Nicole, nice to see you. Yes, Nicole. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, she's agreeing. She's one of our warriors and wall builders. 
So as um, I come on to this part of the book, again, this is chapter 16 of the, the book, Take It Back. And it says, uh, walls, remember, are important. They, for they fortify and protect. They create freedom and comfort. The enemy hates them, but God wants men to build them strong. I'm not talking about walls that enslave or entrap, such as the Berlin Wall or prison walls or emotional walls and strongholds that keep us from moving deeper into God and relationships. Like the walls of Jericho, those things standing between us and what God has for us must be torn down so we can occupy our promised land. Then God wants us to build healthy walls. So important to understand the difference. Healthy walls um, of protection that safeguard our hearts and those we love. We're talking boundaries. Oh, the boundaries between us and those tyrants in the schools. Boundaries and say, no, listen, you don't talk to my kids about these things, which I have gone into the schools that my kids go to and say, I, I do not want anybody talking about gender with my kids. I make sure that we understand that. Does it happen? Yes. But they know that if it gets back to me, then we're going to have a discussion about it. And they know my position on it. And I know a number of others, other uh, parents in our school district have done the same thing. We are not allowing this to happen without speaking up and speaking out and, and taking action. In some cases, I've allowed my kids to walk out of school. I have a, a child who walked out during the masking time. He refused to wear a mask and he walked out and he got kicked out of school. And I would go there and pick him up and say, good job, warrior. And I would pick him up and then we would go back to school the next day. He wouldn't put on the mask. He got kicked out. And that's the way we roll because that is not some, that is a protection uh, against my, uh, against these tyrants. And that is a boundary that I was not willing to have myself or my killed children pass. Above all, all else, uh, the scripture says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If you are a Christian man, the Christian man, the Holy Spirit resides inside you. Your heart is now the new temple for the spirit of God to dwell in. And you must guard it with your life. Nothing else is as critical. Nothing. Everything you do as a man flows from within your heart, the way you love God, your wife, your kids, how you conduct yourself on the job how you influence those in your circle, everything. Guard your heart. Build a wall around it. The enemy wants to destroy it and bring you down. He uses past hurts, wrong beliefs about God's plan for you, wrong attitudes you've embraced through the years, and strongholds that prevent you from thinking clearly and seeing areas that God would have you fortify. The negative junk you allow inside your wall chips away at and weakens you and your relationships starting with your relationship with God. A man can be building his temple, doing religious things, even spiritual things that are all good. But if his personal walls are in despair, if his personal walls are in despair, the enemy is going to exploit him. This is why you see men committing to church and involved in Christian programs who appear to be doing all the right things. But because of broken down walls and temporary lapses, they are dominated by the flesh and its strongholds during the week. Oh, my gosh. So this is my story. So I, I, I was involved in a church for some 20 years, 25 years or so. And I could not figure out why my marriage was still failing. I couldn't figure out why I, I was still having, although success in business, there would be these, these immense um, um, issues that would come up that would tear down the business so we'd have success and then <laughs> the enemy would come in because my wall was broken and weak and the gates weren't up the gates weren't closed 
Um, and it was, it was all me. It was all, all about my flawed relationship with God, where I would go to church on Sunday and even participate in men's Bible studies and even lead um, some um, men's events in, at Catalina Island and within the church. And yet things were still falling apart. And the important part is that this is why you see men. Oh, sorry. Sorry. A man can be building his temple, doing religious things, even spiritual things that are all good. But if his personal walls are in despair, the enemy is going to exploit him. Him. <laughs> this is why you see men committed to church and involved in Christian programs who appear to be doing all the right things. But because of broken down walls and temporary lapses, they are dominated by the flesh and its strongholds during the week. And things begin to go wrong. Marriages crumble. I ended up getting a divorce um, and a long uh, court battle, which still goes on seven years later. Um, a, a business, which again, great success. I went from five employees to 800 or 400 employees um, and great success, right? Getting huge checks for the, the jobs we were doing and, and, and had people all over the world. I had uh, facilities in, in the Caribbean. I had uh, facilities in Peru and in Northern Ireland and um, doing work in Canada and um, it, 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 things could not have been better. But and yet with all that success, without strong walls and without following God's word, <laughs> it all comes crumbling down where they begin to hang a sign on your door and saying you have to be out in 30 days because the bank is going to take your house. Uh, you get divorce papers served you. You uh, are suddenly in an empty house because somebody uh, you know came and emptied your house of all your furniture. Um, all these things begin to happen. Why? Because of what I just read to you twice. It's so important to remember. Um, and and this extends to all the other things we were talking about. We let our walls down. We don't become wall builders and warriors and make sure that we are maintaining the walls of protection around our family, um, uh, uh, the protection of, around our heart as men, guarding our heart from those things that uh, of sin that, that cause destruction. Um, and it's so important to make sure that you maintain those walls. And every so often they'll get, you know, uh, you know, a plane will run into a part of your wall and you got to rebuild it, got to put it back up um, and you will have, you'll make mistakes and you'll, you'll do things, but you have to realize it and understand it and bring it back and surround your men with other warriors and wall builders. Um, you just don't depend on yourself. You don't just depend on, on what it is that you think you can do and fix that you surround yourself by other. And none of these walls in this, in this story of Nehemiah was built by one man. It was a group of people um, that were wall builders and warriors of all types. Uh, again, CPAs and, and farmers and, and police officers and what have you that were in the community. So I'm going to continue and I'm going to end here pretty soon so uh, uh, we can keep it oh, already at 42 minutes. How did that happen? All right. Last couple paragraphs here. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes as God's men, we have to fight while building our walls. We surely will have to fight to keep our walls strong. Our enemy's system of principalities uh, and powers is relentless. They never stop. The war will rage our entire lives until we are face-to-face -face with Jesus. This never stops, men. Don't ever think you're just going to be able to sit down and rest. <laughs> this is you, you can be single and watching this, and you're thinking, well, I don't need to worry about this because I don't have kids and I don't have a wife. No. This has to do with you, too. Again, our community needs you. The church needs you. Other men need you. 
people that look up to you at work uh, that you may be a supervisor for, perhaps you may be a manager, um, you may be the lead, uh, at, you know, whatever position you're at. And there's somebody looking up to you. And so this means you too, whether you're single or whether you have kids and a family uh, or a wife. Um, the war will rage your entire lives until you're face to face with Jesus. But we need not be discouraged or overwhelmed. We can have authentic joy, peace, contentment, and power, but it won't be our own power. It will be his power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in us. As godly men, we can and must tap into that power. What's interesting about the story of Nehemiah is not only did the men fight as they rebuilt, but they also had the priests consecrate sections of the wall and gates as they went along. Then Elisha, Eliashib, Eliashib, sorry, um, who was a high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hanau. They realized without God's presence and continual protection, they would be sitting ducks. As we fight while we build our own spiritual walls of protection, we must do it with total dependence upon God, consecrating everything with prayer as we move forward. Yes, warfare, warfare is a given, but it is also when we will see God's faithfulness and deliverance. Powerful uh, chapter of this book, I think, is amazing um, and speaks to so much what it, of what we, it is that we need to remember right now. Um, there's some discussions, uh, questions, which is at the end of every one of these chapters. And I think it's important that I read those to you. Um, again, there's more pair. There's more to that pair, uh, that chapter. I only read a few paragraphs. Um, but the discussion questions are, are you coming under attack as you rebuild your walls? How so? So journal how you are coming under attack and, and what it is, what, what are those attacks and write them down so that you can identify them and, and know what they are. So then you can address them. Uh, the next question is, are you armed with your spiritual weapons? Explain. Uh, the next one is, how can you consecrate your walls as you rebuild? How can you consecrate your walls as you rebuild? Um, one thing that's been really important, of course, you know, this is obvious to most Christians. And this is something that I've struggled with my entire um, Christian walk. And that is prayer. Understanding how important it is to pray. And, pray, and prayer doesn't always have to be eyes closed, hands together, or however you do it, head bowed at a meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, that's, you know, a given you should be doing that or before the kids go to bed or maybe before you and your wife have a discussion um, saying, you know, what, we're gonna have a discussion about money. We're gonna have a discussion about moving. We're gonna have a discussion about the kids. Let's pray first, uh, especially if you know that it may um, cause, you know, uh, you know, potentially some some heat between the, the two of you. Uh, always important to start that argument with prayer. Do we always do it? No, but we're trying to remember to do that. Um, but the other part that Pastor Jack Kibbs at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills has reminded me and the congregation about is that prayer takes place all day, all day. You can pray while you're driving the car, eyes open, talking to God. In the shower, talking to God. <laughs> you know, um, You know, before you make a phone call, pray as you're dialing the phone. The prayer does not always have to be that formal position that you take um, with, um, 
with a, you know, a bended knee or, you know, a meal in front of you that a prayer takes place all day long. Talk to God all day. He's always there with you. Uh, he dwells inside of you. And so take that time to pray. So I got to put my, my glasses on. Um, the sword of the word today is for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 4. And then uh, the last thing is it says at the end of the chapter is, is pray about it. Pray and ask God to strengthen your spiritual weapons for the battle. Ask the Holy Spirit to consecrate your walls as you rebuild. So important. I know I read a lot of stuff to you today. Uh, from the Bible, from the book, and from an article that I, I read. Uh, again, sorry for uh, the delay and the camera that I'm using. I hope it doesn't change anything. It shouldn't because we're talking about the words that were being said in these great books that I read. And so uh, take that back with you that you're you're not who you think you are. You're not um, your um, whatever your craft is. You're not whatever your position is at the office. That's 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 one aspect of who you are. Um, you are a husband. You are a father in many cases. You are a man in the community. You are a boss at work or you are a worker at work. You're, you're all those things. But most importantly, as you move forward through your life, that you are you, you have to remember that you're constantly going to be a wall builder, a wall builder and a warrior, a wall builder and warrior. And that never stops until you're face to face with Jesus Christ, as it says in uh, the, the book, Take It Back. I think that's a really important thing to remember. All right. So hopefully you'll leave with that and you remember that and you will look for ways that you can make change in your community. Uh, go to your city council uh, meetings, go to, uh, again, school board meetings, uh, attend whatever it is uh, that you need to attend to make sure that you're aware of what's going on around you and in your community, especially if it involves your uh, your kids and your wife. All right, my friends. Love you guys. God bless. Take care. Bye.